0: Namaste, welcome to the Conscious Combo podcast. I am your host and teacher Pippa Leslie. I'm here to share everything I learn, see and channel. This podcast is for the conscious and curious beings who are ready to dive deeper into spirituality. I am so grateful you are here. Hello guys, welcome back to another episode on The Conscious Combo. I hope you're all well. I hope you've been been enjoying all these different interviews that I've been posting each week. I am with a beautiful lady today and I'm excited to bring her on because it's a topic that I haven't brought onto the podcast yet, so it's a new, new topic. And I know so many of you are going to listen to this and probably resonate with it I'm going to just give some housekeeping before we start, you know, some things that we may talk about may trigger you, some things we may talk about will resonate with you and may be upsetting for you. I don't know what's going to come up on this in- on this interview, but we are going to talk about abuse and narcissistic abuse. So just giving you that little warning before we start talking about things. I know so many people in my life and my clients have dealt with narcissistic abuse and I've wanted to bring it on to the podcast because I think it's really important that we discuss it and give everyone that, you know, that knowledge around it so they can kind of apply it to their life. So I'm joined with Adriana Booty and she's a narcissistic abuse recovery coach. And I'm excited to talk to you today, Adriana, because you obviously specialize in narcissistic abuse and I will be next year. So it'd be really nice to learn from you and get some knowledge and information from you about how you have dealt with narcissistic abuse because obviously something that you've been through before so welcome to the conscious convo I'm really excited that you're here
1: hey Pippa thanks so much for having me on I'm so excited to talk to you today
0: thanks so how did you get into narcissistic abuse being a recovery coach like what brought you to that in in this life
1: so it's kind of a long story but I will try my best to shorten it as much as I can but in a nutshell chronic pain which i know sounds like so random but pretty much i had um very bad chronic pain from 2015 to 19 i ended up getting shingles in my mouth at the ripe old age of 30 and i ended up with something called trigeminal neuralgia i had jaw issues neck pain carpal tunnel syndrome already had had surgery on one wrist and um it was just a whole shit show honestly and um one day randomly out of nowhere i you know, I was like kind of scrolling on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And I found like this ad for this app that talked about like the mind body connection and how, you know, it was like promising to um, get you out of your physical chronic pain. And I had tried absolutely everything for my pain. So I impulse bought like a one year subscription for this app called curable and I was extremely offended by it because it said that um, anybody who has physical chronic pain that has persisted for longer than six months you've been to your doctor you've done the tests you're not dying there's no nefarious things or recent fractures going on is actually an accumulation of repressed emotions from childhood trauma. And I knew at this time that I was raised by a narcissistic mother, but I didn't see it as trauma. Um, because when you think of the word trauma, you think of like something absolutely catastrophic and something physical and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, whatever, this is this is stupid. I just wasted so much money, like buying this subscription. And so I was, <laughs> I was pissed off for about 24 hours. And then the next day I was obviously still in pain. So I figured, you know what, I bought this stupid app. I'm not going to get a refund from it. So Humor me. Let's see. Let's see what happens. So I kind of dove into doing the inner work. And within the first two weeks, I had a 20% reduction in my overall pain levels. And I had my first five minutes of no pain at all. I thought I was dead. Like it was just so wild. And then pretty much, yeah, within four months, I was completely pain free. And then I got motivated to be a life coach. And I actually started off as a pain recovery coach. So you know, I would talk about how trauma affects the nervous system and causes your you know, physical body to have these physical sensations of pain instead of processing the emotions because your brain interprets the emotions as dangerous. And then eventually I started opening up about my experience of having been raised by a narcissistic mother and how that caused me to repress my emotions and manifest into pain. And I saw how much that was like really resonating with people because so many people with a narcissist in their life have chronic pain or some sort of like mystery symptom or illness that again they've been to their doctor, they've done the tests, they're not dying, and um, you know there's like no way to really manage the the syndrome or pain or whatever's going on, and uh, they ended up also realizing that like oh it's probably because I have this narcissist in my life because they're making me repress my emotions, and you literally have to repress your emotions when you're dealing with a narcissist in order to keep yourself safe from you know their wrath and all that and um yeah kind of uh grew from there and um that's in a nutshell how i decided to become a narcissistic abuse recovery coach
0: wow i <laughs> it, it yeah like you said there's so many clients that i see and they've had a narcissist in their life and i was oblivious to it you know i was definitely oblivious to it until i got older and i started to work with clients and get the same stories and become curious and as I mentioned to you before we press record you know I was this you know kind of girl growing up that just see, you know saw the good in everybody and I wanted everyone to get along and I just I still have got, got that element of me where I just want everyone to get along and everyone just to be nice to each other and when there's like arguments and walls I just get it just really affects me being an empath and stuff and I think as I became more aware of narcissistic abuse and, you know, narcissist spectrums, you know, uh, you just start to see it in people, like without judging them, you just start to see the behaviors, you start to see the, you know, how they treat other people. And I've definitely had them in my life. So I've not had anyone close to me, thankfully. You know, I've got beautiful parents. I've got, you know, beautiful siblings. I've got, you know, beautiful friends, but I definitely had them as friends growing up, you know. And then I started to realize holy shit, like that person's mom was or this person's partner is. And I think, you know, there's so many people out there. And I think people listening today that may just be thinking, what the hell is a narcissist? So could you like in a nutshell, again, try and condense what a narcissist is into, you know, something that they'll understand, please?
1: Totally. Um, so I'll, I'll describe it in two ways. So like the first way is the signs to look out for, right? There, there's somebody who can come off as arrogant, needing to be right all the time. Um, they want to have power and control over people. And, um, you know, like they, it, those are like the main signs, but they're not always obvious. So the best way to figure it out, if you're going through it is if you notice a cycle of love bomb devalue discard, where it just goes in circles over and over again, where love bomb is whatever you want to hear. And then as soon as they're satisfied that they've gained your trust, they start devaluing you. So this could be little chips at your confidence, it might not even be that obvious at first. But over time, as the cycle repeats itself over and over and over again, um, it gets more and more, it gets worse, of course, and then it gets a little bit more obvious to notice because they, they start off small, they start off seeing what they can get away with. So, you know, If they're doing like these grand gestures, if it's like a relationship, for example, and they, you know, want to take you to like somewhere really fancy or like go on a trip, like immediately they love you right away. They think you're soulmates right away. That is a massive red flag. Um, Cause that's a really, that's a way of like really speeding up the relationship and gaining your trust fast so that they can start that cycle of abuse. If it's a parent, it can be a lot more difficult to notice the love bombing because you're just there. Like you, you didn't have a choice. Um, they didn't have to go through that grand gesture to sort of hook you in. And so it can take decades to figure out if you have a narcissistic parent, but The signs are still there, like the the patterns are still there, love, bomb, devalue, discard. So a narcissistic parent may love bomb you by finally recognizing a talent of yours that they never saw before or something that they dismissed before um, or, you know, something that like like a, a sort of thing of approval that like you always wished you got from them and they're giving that to you finally. And then, of course, once they're satisfied that they've gained your trust, it goes into devalue and then discard. Um, it can be very subtle or it can be very obvious. Sometimes um, the very obvious discard, they stop talking to you. They, you know, fall off the face of the earth. They go completely radio silent. And that happens when that happens. That really means that they have a new source of supply. So they don't view people as people. They view people as supply sources. And so when they discarded you in that sense where they're, they're gone, like, you know, they're, you're like dead to each other, basically um, they are completely focused on their new supply source. But there's the more subtle forms of discard where, you know, they're giving you the silent treatment for five minutes and, you know, they, you know, try to stop a conversation altogether and then, or they're mad at you, you go to bed angry and then you wake up the next morning as if absolutely nothing happened and they go back right into the love bombing. So it's really that pattern and cycle that you're going to notice if you are dealing with a narcissist.
0: Yeah, you explaining that was my ex and I was not really awake to it then. So the same thing, you know, it would be like the same cycle and it was just, oh, the cycle would drive me insane. It was just so abusive and it was so, I'll change, I'll change. And it was just the same, yeah. same shit every like every few weeks, you know, and I think mm-hmm. they have a need for that, don't they as well? Because that's obviously filling the, you know, the empty well, as we would say, it's not even filling the well, to be honest. It's just that, I think that they don't have any emotional maturity, do they? And I think what's interesting as well when you say about parent and child is like, you know, a child just wants mother's love. A child just wants father's love, you know, and that's why it can be really, you know, just horrific for children, especially. I've got friends who've got narcissistic mothers and I'm lucky because I've got beautiful parents. You know, they're not perfect, but, you know, they're, they're loving, they're supportive and not controlling and seeing my friends go through that it's just hard because I know what I know now and I'm trying to help them to see it from that way so I think sometimes it can get like it's hard to understand if you don't understand it yourself so I try and help them to see it and they you know I say these are the red flags this is the behaviors and they go oh my god I've had that all my life but they get stuck in that cycle don't they if mum will like go back into that love bombing and like oh I love you I'm so proud of you or like and sometimes the ones that are worse they don't even you know, praise them at all. Like I've got friends who said, all I want is my mom to just say she loves me and I'm proud. I'm, she's proud of me. I've never had that once. And that mm-hmm. makes me feel so sad because I'm just like, you know, I tell my stepchildren daily that I love them and I'm proud of them. How amazing are oh, you? And the one thing that I wanted to ask you as well, Adriana, is like, are they born this way or is it developed?
1: So um I, I don't know the answer to that, to be completely honest. I've done a lot of Dr. Ramani's workshops, if you're familiar with her, she's uh, a psychologist from the States who talks about this kind of stuff. So I, I get all of my information from the right place. Um, so what she has said is that, you know, they could, there's two options that either they've had childhood trauma and that they're, they're acting out in adulthood, which is not an excuse. It's a reason, but it's not an excuse because plenty of people on this planet have trauma, plenty of, you know adult children of narcissists have had trauma, and they don't go around trying to ruin other people's lives. Um, and then the other theory is that they've just been overly indulged in their childhood, they were never told no, they grew up with that sense of entitlement. And um, they never drop that sense of entitlement. And they just don't do any sort of self reflection. So um, could be nature could be nurture. But regardless, there's there's no excuse for it either way, because they they choose their behavior, it really depends who their audience is. And you know, they, they know how to be nice, they know how to be like not abusive it's just yeah. they've got a couple of people that they target
0: yeah like so if someone's listening and they don't know what you know obviously you give me some great signs to look for you know for example say you've got you know would the behaviors be the same it, it, would it or would it change in relationships in a sense what I'm trying to say is like say it's a friend who's an assist or it's a husband or a wife or a sibling or a mother there's all gonna be different kind of the what's the word I'm looking for it's like the it's what's the it's like what's the what's the word I'm looking for it's like my words can't come in my head today it's the they'll all have a strategy like there's a strategy isn't there like there's a strategy of like okay well I'm going to play the wife I'm going to play the husband and the obviously this fake empathy that they can they can mimic as well can't they and they're just like these great master mimickers and fake you know and it's sometimes hard to see isn't it sometimes we get sucked in don't we buy those things so two things if someone's listening and they're recovering from narcissistic abuse what would your advice be for them and secondly if they're in it and they can't get out of it what would be your advice to them
1: um so yeah so basically can you repeat the first question? I'm sorry. Yeah, so if, if they've,
0: <laughs> if they've left a relate, if they've left some sort of yep. relationship and they're recovering from it, what would be your advice for them? But if someone's in it and they can't get out of it, what okay. would be your advice? Got it. Got it. So
1: in the first case, if you've left the relationship, if you've got nothing legally tying you to this person, if you do not share children, run like the wind, never look back. Do not, don't even look to the side, just keep moving forward things will never change do not let them rope you back in because it's going to be so much worse if you choose to go back to this person um so just continue running like sprint and get away um if you're in it and you can't get out for whatever reason or you know maybe the way out is not going to be for a while because maybe you need to get yourself financially independent or whatever um you know like Have a separate bank account, you know, don't let them know if you have an income or, you know, where you're getting extra income from or anything like that, because they will try to sabotage it. Do not tell them your plans of leaving, um, because again, they're going to sabotage it. Do not give them information. And um, if you have to coexist with a narcissist, whether it's you're living with them um, or you're working with them or whatever the case may be, the gray rock method is going to be your best bet. So this is pretty much um, it's a boundary. But it's not a boundary that you're going to announce to them because you you just you can't you can't set boundaries the same way with narcissists as you could with like normal, healthy people. Because, first of all, it's like kind of rare to have to set a boundary with a normal, healthy person because they're just normal and healthy. Um, and if you do, they're thankful for it because they they recognize that, oh, this is you wanting to have the relationship continue and they will stop doing the thing that was bothering you. And they'll they'll be thankful that you let them know. Um, whereas with a narcissist, if you tell them anything that you want them to stop doing or start doing, they're going to make sure to continue or start doing the other thing that you don't want them to do, right? Just to get that reaction from you, because it's all about supply for them. So with gray rocking, it's really about taking away the supply. So by saying that, I have to tell you what supply is. So that is your emotional reaction. That is what their game is all about. It's all about getting a reaction from you. Supply is your emotional reaction your time your energy your engagement in those circular word salad conversations that just go around in circles and lead to absolutely no resolution and then you're even more confused and that's another sign too if you're ever confused you're probably dealing with a narcissist or at minimum a manipulator um and you know that's supply time energy resources just any energy that you extend expend onto this person is supply, even if, you know, you're, they can even get secondhand supply from you. So you could be, you know, if they have like an enabler or flying monkey coming your way, which is like someone that they send your way to like talk shit and, you know, get information from you. If you're reacting to that in any way, that person who was recruited by the narcissist to come your way is going to report back to the narcissist, let them know what your reaction was, and they get secondhand supply that way. So you have to be you know, you really want to be like the grayest rock ever. So gray rocking is pretty much when you are boring, you take on the personality of a gray rock, you channel your inner brick wall, and you give them one word answers. And there's something also called the yellow rock method, which, you know, I, I just I feel like I like get making things as simple as possible, because things can get so confusing. And if you've been through narcissistic abuse, you're already confused enough. But yellow rock is basically just a pleasant version of a gray rock. So you know, you can gray rock and not be a dick about it. That's totally possible. Um, But the goal of gray rocking is to not give them so many words, right? Use one word answers as much as possible. Don't have any emotion in your voice when you're communicating with them and only communicate about whatever needs to be communicated about. And you have to really work hard on ignoring all of the noise that they're going to throw your way to try and get a reaction out of you. And that's really the best bet. If you have to be in communication or in contact with a narcissist, like that's really the way to go about it.
0: Thank you for that and I think also you touched on about you know if you can grey rock you know I've learned grey rock's great so what would what would be your advice to someone who okay like an you know an ex but you've got children with them and that dynamic's really hard I've got a lot of friends who are in that situation you know what would be advice because it's you want to grey rock them but you've got you can't it's like with kids involved it can be so hard and I think you've got to really grow your self-awareness and your, you know, work on your emotions and boundaries is huge, isn't it? Especially if you're still having to have a relationship with an ex-partner with children involved. So what would be your advice for those people? Yeah. So,
1: um, have a good lawyer, right. And, um, you know, pretty much like once all is said and done with whatever the custody arrangement is, that is, that is what you stick to. Um, Some places they can like mandate using a custody sharing app where all communication happens through this app. So you don't have to worry about like, you know, when they call you with like harassing messages and stuff like that, like everything kind of gets documented and can go to court if needed. Um, So that that's a really great way of gray rocking. But again, that's something that you would have to speak to a lawyer about. And you know, that would probably have to go through the court system and all that. Um, And you have to also recognize that narcissists use children as pawns, like they don't have kids for, you know, the purpose of showing them what a beautiful world we live in, or whatever the reason is, they have kids to have a pawn over you. Um, you know, like that, that's why I exist. I was a pawn for my mother against my father and their divorce, uh, whole situation. So it was just like a whole disaster. Um, and so you have to really be hyper aware that they're using the children. And so you have to treat, you know, whatever is going on as like a business transaction. And I know you don't see your children as a business transaction, but like, if you know, the agreement is little Susie goes and sees her other parent at like 2pm, that is all the conversation is going to be about. And when they start insulting your parenting or telling you, you know, what a terrible person you are, or random lies that, you know, the child said to them or whatever, you have to do your best to ignore it. And again, like you said before, this is why the emotional work is so, so important. And that I would recommend to anybody who has left a narcissistic relationship is trying to leave a narcissistic relationship or has to co-parent with a narcissist to do that emotional work because they are preying on your emotions. And the more in touch you are with your emotions, the more that you understand how to process your own emotions, the easier it is to, you know, observe the narcissist in their element being a narcissist rather than getting sucked into it because they count on you repressing your emotions so that you're easier to control. They induce a state of fear, shame, or guilt within you. So you have to really be able to recognize when you are feeling fear, shame, or guilt, because anybody who's in those emotional states is going to be easier to control. So for example, if you're feeling guilty You're and you're like not emotionally aware, and you haven't really done the emotional work. You're probably going to believe that, okay, because I want to, you know, set this boundary or, you know, like not answer their phone call, this makes me a horrible person. And, you know, when you're an empath, like you're really prone to believing that about yourself because you just want to be perceived as a decent person. So you have to let go of being perceived how you want to be perceived by this person because they don't care either way they're going to paint you in the worst light possible. And the sooner you get in touch with those emotions and start processing them, the easier it's going to be for you. And so you're going to realize, oh, this guilt doesn't mean that I'm bad or I'm a horrible person. This guilt just means this person is trying to manipulate me. They're projecting their guilt onto me. They should be feeling guilty because they're the ones abusing me, but they're making me feel guilty to distract me from their abuse and put the focus on myself, right? And it's the same thing for shame and fear. If you feel ashamed of yourself, you're more likely to do what the narcissist wants you to do because you're just feeling so much shame about whatever they're putting you down for. And the same thing with fear. They really use fear to control people. Like they will fear monger you. They'll tell you about all these consequences of, you know, you not doing what they want you to do or whatever. And when you process that fear, it's, you know, it's a lot easier to see through the bullshit and be able to recognize, okay, this person's trying to manipulate with me with fear. I'm not playing that game today and I'm not afraid of whatever these supposed consequences are. Now, obviously if they're like threatening to like physically harm you, that's like a law enforcement thing, but most of the time they're all bark and no bite. So, you know, just a disclaimer there.
0: Oh, there's so much to unpack. I remember like just reading so much about them. Like a narcissist will never admit that they're a narcissist or like, you know, they're just, they're just so, I always thought, do they actually love themselves or do they actually hate themselves? Like what's that dynamic? Because I always think like, are they so self-absorbed that they just, you know, they don't see, they just think so differently to, to an empath, don't they? Like the, you know, the narcissist is opposite to an empath. And I think reading things and just like following people like you and other people online talking about narcissist is like, there's so many, there's so much to unpack. You know, even like I want to touch on gaslighting in a moment because gaslighting is so confusing for me. Like sometimes I'm like, was that gaslighting or was that the match you giving a shit? Like, you know, like it's just, it's a mind field. It's just, it's such an, that's why working with people like you, Adriana, is important because I think if you are coming out of a relationship or whatever it is, you do feel shell shocked you know, you feel like a shell of yourself because they've just sucked everything out of you, you know, psychological, financial, you know, even your children and things like that. I wanted to touch on this just because it's for a friend and she's going through, I won't name her and things like that, but she's got a narcissistic mother and her, her mother's cut contact now, you know, she won't take any blame, obviously. And the last thing she said to her was, I'm sick of your shit, don't contact me again. Never takes any any you know and she's the most beautiful person and you know she was expecting a happy birthday from her mother on her birthday last week and she didn't get it and I knew she wouldn't get it but that little part of me thought oh a mother must a mother must reach out to the kid on a a birthday and when I see it from a friend's perspective I'm just like what what is going on in their head like to even get to a point where like they can't even wish their daughter a happy birthday but as I know what I know now I've sat her down and you know there's a lot of trauma around her mom and she she's mm-hmm. got chronic pain as you can imagine so a narcissist okay. is she's in chronic pain she got diagnosed with um uh the rheumatoid arthritis when she was 30 after she mm-hmm. gave birth to her daughter which is my friend so I'm like she's probably blaming you for this and you know all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff so if I will get her to listen to this because she's my friend. What would be your advice to someone dealing with a narcissistic mother or father when it comes to like growing older and actually realizing like this behavior is not normal, you know, as a mother-daughter relationship?
1: Uh, Yeah. So your friend sounds like she's in the discard phase of the cycle of abuse. Um, So that is like, I know it's hard and I know it sucks. And I know this is probably not what your friend wants to hear, but take that and run with it and be no contact. Like never talk to her again, right? She literally threw you out like garbage. She won't even wish you a happy birthday. That literally shows you how much she cares about you. Um, And the thing with narcissistic mothers is they don't view their children as people, as humans. They view them as an extension of themselves. So, you know, like my biggest advice to anyone who has like an aging narcissistic parent is just to remind yourself that you are not responsible for, for them. They are an adult. Um, you know, my narcissistic mother, she passed away three years ago, and um, I have no regrets of my boundaries. And a lot of people are afraid that they're going to regret going no contact or low contact or gray rocking and all that kind of stuff, which is completely normal. And of course, we live in a society that puts mothers on a pedestal. And I'm not saying this to like be mean towards mothers or anything like that. Like, I can imagine what a difficult job it is. And there's a lot of mothers out there that do deserve all the praise in the world. But narcissistic mothers, they hide behind that label of mother because mothers can do no wrong, right? And so that really gets embedded into us um, societally wise, not just even through the abuse, but it's just like a societal thing. And so it's really hard for other people to grasp that a mother could actually do so much harm to their child and choose to continue doing that harm because her little ego is just so much more important than anything else. Um so you really have to recognize what you're dealing with and remember that you're you're not responsible to take care of them. Like people do not bring children onto this world so that they can have a caregiver or a retirement plan or whatever when they're older. Like it does not have it's not supposed to be transactional. You did not get a choice in your existence. You just ended up being here, whether you were, um, you know, born to a narcissist or adopted by narcissists, however you came to be, was absolutely not your choice. It was your parents choice and they chose to abuse you. So you really have to recognize that. And remember that you do not owe them shit. You do not owe them a damn thing just because they gave you the gift of life. Like, what gift is this? Like, they just, they abused you the whole time. (laughs) You know, like, that's not a gift. Um, And here you are having to spend your adulthood healing from your entire childhood. So you really have to put it into perspective and look at it that way. And, um, you know, just work through the guilt, work through the shame, work through the fear. And be okay with people misunderstanding you and society not getting your choice to, you know, not have your narcissistic parent in your life, because you're you're going to get judged. And a lot of the people who do the judging are narcissists themselves. Because, <laughs> you know, there there's so many, like, I just like to put it into this perspective, where for me, in particular, I don't know about you, but I'm sure you can probably relate. There's a bunch of things that I have not been through that are traumatic and I can empathize with another person who's telling me about this horrible traumatic thing that I never personally experienced went through but there's such a double standard when it's your mother and you're talking about this horrible thing and people can't seem to empathize with that and all they can do is just blame you which is just ridiculous so that that tells you that something's wrong with that person it's not about the fact that you're wrong for you know not wanting an abusive parent in your life anymore. So I know I rambled there a little bit, but I hope no, so. she'll
0: appreciate that. Thank you so much. Like, I, it's like what I told her as well. It's just, there's a part of me that wants her to like make friends and just just get along like a happy mm-hmm. lot. Them, like, but it's not, it's, we're really, I'm not in a not yeah. <laughs> Like Even though I wish I yeah. was sometimes, it's just, I know. it's really hard to, to see that. And I think, you know, I want to touch on as well, Adriana, that there's a spectrum, isn't there? Like you've got the covert and the overt where, you know, that's like, over here like Mm -hmm. and then can you obviously just explain that there is a spectrum isn't there like you know there is like different types of narcissists as well so you know some people are dealing with the covert over it's just like in your face you know like they don't give a shit you know they're just like i'm a narcissist don't give a shit but you. covert are the more sneaky ones you know and i think dealing with the spectrum you know how how would like covert over differ from like someone who's just kind of on the spectrum, you know, like what are the differences there?
1: So I love that you asked that question um, because the spectrum is not necessarily a spectrum of narcissism. Like someone either is or isn't every human on this planet has narcissistic traits. It's just, what are you using those traits for? Are you using those traits to manipulate people and get what you want from them? Or is it just a, a trait and you didn't mean any harm, right? And so a narcissist, so overt narcissists, they're the more obvious ones. They're the ones that are just assholes and they're, they're easy to spot because they're overt. And um, the covert ones are the more dangerous ones because they come off as so nice and charismatic and so amazing and, you know, or they come off as like this victim and you just really feel sorry for them and you want to, you want to help them and, you know, they've helped you and all that kind of stuff. And what you have to really understand about like this so-called spectrum of narcissism is not that one person might be like a mild narcissist and one person might be a full-blown narcissist. It's, are you their main target? Because they're not targeting everybody. They don't abuse every single person that they come across the same way murderers don't murder every single person they see, right? So, you know, I know that was an extreme comparison, but like there, it's all, it's all in the the cluster B stuff, right? So um, a narcissist is very nice to most people, like the majority of people. And so if you're a friends with someone who's a narcissist, you may never know unless you become a target of theirs. And they're more likely to abuse the people closest to them. So you're not going to know if someone's like really a narcissist unless they're actually targeting you and abusing you because they might seem like the nicest person, you might be like friends with them for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, you start dating, and then you see like this other side to them, that's because they were not targeting you that entire time. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get closer because they abuse the people closest to them. So a significant other, a parent to a child, um, a narcissistic sibling to their empath sibling. Um, And so you know, that's, that's where you really have to like, understand that, It's not so much that it's a spectrum, it's are you the main target or not? Yeah. I hope that made sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. I had a friend who like, obviously I've grown so much in the last like three, four years and I've been through a lot and I've definitely grown spiritually and emotionally, you know, and I'm definitely more of a gray rock in a sense of like, I don't really have that in my life anymore. Like I don't have narcissists in my life anymore, but I had a friend who was like reaching out being like, you've changed, you know, you're so different now, not actually seeing that I'm actually happier, lighter. I'm more myself. I'm not as, Mm -hmm. you know, I used to have like insecurities and I was obviously like more, you know, I did I wasn't obviously aligned with myself. I hadn't done healing on myself and to reach out and be like, you've changed. You're not the same anymore. I don't know who you are anymore. It's like, no, actually I'm not your target anymore. And you can't affect me anymore. You can't get your, your claws into me like you used to, because I was your punching bag, you know? And that's something that I've had to let go of. And it's hard. Like, we spoke about this last week, you know, this we spoke, we always speak about breakups, you know, we break up with our partners, but when do we talk about like friendship breakups? You know, we don't talk about it. Like it's, it's hard. It's so hard because you had this bond with this friend for so long since you were like teenagers or kids and they grow up and they develop into these narcissists. And it's, it's really sad. It's really sad. And me being an empath, I find it really hard as well because it's just extra like depth to the emotion. And the other question before we finish, Adriana, because it's gone so quick talking to you, was when they move, you know, obviously I mentioned about being born an narcissist. I think obviously you mentioned it about, you know, it's trauma or it could be like they've just been like indulged and things like that. When will you start to see the traits more often? Is it like adulthood or is it teenagers or is it does it differ for each person?
1: Um I mean like it's it's hard to say with teenagers cuz like teenagers are just assholes right yeah, yeah. Um so I I would say like adulthood like yeah. 20 you know maybe once the frontal lobe is sealed at like 25 yeah. if you really want to make sure but um you know if they're still being a narcissist after age 25 like they're they're set in those ways
0: Yeah I want to ask you a last question about gaslighting because sometimes I have to question myself, was that gaslighting? Like I had a conversation with a friend a few years ago and I reflected on the actual conversation and I thought, oh, she actually really was nice in what she said. But when I reflected on it after a few days, I thought actually that was really gaslighting. That was like, oh, you know, I I see you loving your life in New Zealand, but you've changed so much. And it's like, they compliment you with a non compliment. It's like, you know, so for Love me- bomb
1: devalue. Pardon? Love bomb value That's the yes. cycle right there.
0: So yeah. how can we watch out for gaslighting? You know, what's the easiest way to, you know, describe gaslighting just for me as well? Because sometimes I get confused with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're ever questioning if somebody was gaslighting you, they probably were. Um, because <laughs> if you're having just like a normal conversation with a normal, healthy person, there is never going to be any confusion. And if there is confusion, you're going to feel safe enough to clarify things and they're going to be fine about it. They're not going to be like defensive about it or anything like that. So gaslighting is really anytime you like, they make you feel like you're questioning reality or, you know, questioning your sanity, questioning yourself and like wondering if like you did something wrong when like you haven't done any like heinous crimes or anything like that. Um, And so, yeah, you definitely want to watch out for that kind of like compliment and then devaluation kind of thing. Cause that's definitely the cycle of abuse. And, um, the best way to really recognize it is confusion. If you're confused, yeah. it yeah. literally, I literally made a post about this. today. Also, it's,
0: It like, it makes you doubt yourself, like the confusion yeah. and the doubt in yourself.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. And it's like, I, I literally posted about this today that like confusion is like the biggest red flag. And it, it's really the gaslighting because they are planting that confusion inside of you because somebody who's confused is easier to control. So they gaslight you, they project their insecurities onto you, and then you start feeling insecure. And then you're distracted by how much insecurity you're feeling because of whatever they said. And that distracts you from the abuse that they're putting you through. And so, you know, then you get confused, you start ruminating, you start going around in circles in your head. If you're ever doing that, if you're ever confused, take that as like, the most subtle, but biggest red flag that you're dealing with a narcissist who is gaslighting you.
0: Yeah. I've got so many questions, but I'm going to stick to two last more questions. Right. Okay. So if you have done the work on yourself, like you have Adrian and I would say I have, can you have somewhat of a relationship with a narcissist? If you know how to handle a narcissist, i.e. a mother, a father, a sibling, a friend, if, what I, in, in my experience, you know, cause I live in New Zealand, I have friends in, in the UK, so we're not kind of seeing each other all the time. So can you have a somewhat relationship with a narcissist if you are emotionally mature enough and healed enough to have the boundaries set and have somewhat of a relationship with them?
1: I love that you asked that question. So you can, but you're not going to want to, because if you've done enough healing, you're going to value yourself so much you're gonna value your time and your energy and you're gonna recognize that like time is the commodity that cannot be renewed. And you're gonna be very selective with how you spend your time, who you spend your time engaging with. And you're not gonna to want to waste that time with this person who you're gonna be able to see. Cause again, if you you've done I the healing work, basically <laughs> exactly exactly you're gonna it's gonna get old really fast. You're gonna get really bored of it and you're gonna realize like I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't have time for this. Like I have so many other things in my life to put my energy on that. Like, you know, I'm not going to bother with this stupidity.
0: Yeah. I have a lot of friends who like question all the time is my sister a narcissist is my brother. And they don't want to believe it because they love them. You know, they do, they love them and they're just, and but they they question it all the time. Like sometimes, oh, sometimes they're really nice to me. And they've got nieces nephews, you know, and they're all like they'll go out and have friends and uh, family time. But then, then there's there's the blow up or there's the you know whatever it is. And I think it's just really sad. And I think you've got to do the healing on yourself. You focus on yourself and focus on your healing from it as well. So last two questions: Can analysis change? Nope. Yeah, I, I, they might say it.
1: they can. <laughs> yeah. They might pretend to change, but that change is going to last five minutes, and then they're going to go back to their old ways. So they do not change. And um some anecdotal proof of that: my narcissistic mother literally went to her deathbed, not changed, no coming to God moment, no apology. She she gave me the death glare on her deathbed. Like, ironically enough, so ridiculous. Like she was just. How, she how was sad? Like, like,
0: like how sad is yeah. that though? Like they live in that real just darkness yeah. for the life. Totally
1: a hundred percent right death enlighten them. like nope oh, <laughs> nope
0: <laughs> wow so,
1: yeah they do not change <laughs> so and, like the the longer you spend hoping they're going to change the longer you spend hoping they're going to change yeah like, exactly just yeah. because you want them to it's not it doesn't like your wanting does not cause them to change like think somebody who changes
0: yeah when you're an empath too and you've got you they're drawn to you aren't they like like a moth to a flame because you're easy yeah. to manipulate because you're a nice lovely person yeah. so yeah it's it's very informative this this podcast i'm we have to get you on for part two because i've got all these questions oh, that i want to ask totally. you. yeah so if someone was listening and they really want to get help with narcissistic abuse how would they find you and you know obviously you can help them through this so just let them know how they can find you on socials and things
1: of course, yeah. You can find me on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or Facebook at Let's Get Your Shift Together. That is all one word. But that is shift with an F in there. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, you can. I I offer uh, group coaching, um, one on one coaching here and there, but um, I do have my bullet group coaching program for people who really want to become bulletproof after narcissistic abuse, where you're going to learn everything that you need to learn to never get trapped in those cycles again and really do that inner work and heal. I also have a community membership that is a more affordable option as well. Um, And all of that can be found at the link in my bio on whatever social media platform you find me on.
0: Awesome. I'm excited to learn about it at the beginning of next year, about narcissistic abuse, like just to go d- dive into it and have that specialization as well to help people here because it's, it's everywhere. I think I read in the book, it was one in seven, one in seven narcissist. So mm. that's quite a big number. So yeah. yeah, I think this has been really informative, Adriana. I'm really grateful for your, you know, honesty and your vulnerability and your authenticity. I know people, like I said, at the beginning of the session, you know, uh, the episode is that you know people might listen to this and be like you might be triggered right now you might be feeling oh questioning you know just be gentle with yourself and reach out for the help and the support you know adriana just reach out to her you know get the support if you need to and you know i'm just sending so much love to those people because it's just yeah it's 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 shit to be in that relationship it really is and it's you know but you will come out of it and you will be healed and you will be loved and you already are loved so yeah i've just really enjoyed chatting to you today and we'll definitely get you on for part two
1: Likewise, thanks so much for having me on and uh, I look forward to part two as well.
0: Thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode, guys. I know it's been really informative. It might be quite deep for some of you, but reach out if you have got any questions. Uh, We're going to get part two on as well. So we'll speak to you all soon. I'm sending you so much love from New Zealand. Take care, guys. Bye. I'm Victoria Moran.